The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, and today I have joining me Lori Berkner from the Lori Berkner Band. This is a rather unusual departure from what we usually do. We usually talk about babies and breastfeeding, mothers and breastfeeding. We usually talk about infant cues and infant feeding and all of those sorts of things. But today I asked Lori to be my guest for a couple of reasons. First, because as you know, I'm a big advocate of the fact that Breastfeeding is more than just food. It certainly is food, but it's also communication and bonding and uh, immunological protection and much, much more. So I'm hoping that today, those of you who have uh, uh, ever heard of Lori probably are dying to know all that she has to share with us about how she has started her journey how uh, she has impacted others through her work, and finally, a little bit about how all of that work has impacted Lori's own life and the lives of others. So this is truly a little bit of a departure from our usual, but uh, I would especially like to uh, let you know that I just think it's a day when we can sit back and relax a little bit and learn something about our children and ourselves. Welcome, Lori. Thank you for coming. Oh, it's really great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Lori, I I have to tell you that one of the reasons that we got you on the show is that three women in my office said, I love Lori Berkner's work. My kids love Lori Berkner's songs, etc. And they were very excited about Lori Berkner, Lori Berkner, and I don't have preschoolers or even little kids. So I was, I guess, sort of in the mode of, okay, yeah, whatever, I'm open to that possibility. And then, actually, I started looking a little bit at what you do, and I was very fascinated. One of the first things that came to my mind is, Lori, tell us a little bit about your background. Do you have a degree in music therapy or child development, or did you teach music in schools, or what happened to you before you were the Lori Berkner Band? Um, I actually don't have a particular background in child development. I was a psychology major in ah. college, and I okay. didn't really study music. I took one music class, but I've 
music has been a really big part of my personal life um, since I was really young, from singing to playing lots of instruments and um, performing in musicals and bands and also and in school, a lot of music in school. And it was one of these things where I kind of fell into it. I got a job as a um, preschool music teacher, not a classroom teacher, but I was the, the music specialist about a year outside of college after I got out of college. And um, it was just a situation where I wasn't sure what to do with my psychology degree. I knew I loved music and um, and I loved kids. And I had this opportunity come up where they wanted someone who was really cheap. <laughs> and, uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I was eager to learn. And um, I, I actually was really pretty terrible at it that first year, I, at least from the outside. That's what I think most people would have said. But what happened was I learned a lot. And I was reminded of, you know, what it's like to be working with kids from infant up to preschool age, I ended up um, mostly, actually sometimes also having classes with kids as young as um, three, four, five, six months old, and then up to about six years old. Um, And they grew. And the more that I worked with the kids and listened to them and talked to them and learned from what they wanted and, and also learned a little bit more about, kind of tuned into my, what I was good at and what I had to give them. Um, I just got better at it. And I think I got better at it, you know, and also talking to teachers who had come before me and um, other people that I saw were doing things that I thought were really interesting and good with kids of that age group. Lori, I am very uh, enlightened about your psychology degree because I think that explains so much of what I noticed about your music. I'm very interested to hear that. Now it's just all kind of making sense to me of, oh, so this is why she does what she does. That's a, that's a really interesting fact. So uh, how uh, we all know that people write music, people write music for adults, people write music for kids, but how is writing music for kids different than writing music for adults, would you say? Well, I'd start out by saying that there's actually, there are a lot of similarities. And, okay. um, but one of the, I mean, I think generally what makes a good song is finding something in the song that touches people universally. So maybe that's a particular rhythm or a, um, a line of a melody that's very catchy or it's the way the words sound um, or a feeling that comes through in the song. And I think part of what has worked for me is when I write the music, I really want it to be something that's relevant for the kids. And I think that's what makes it kids' music, um, that the topics I write about and my word choices are relevant for you know a preschool audience. But then the rest of it I think about as an adult. And would I want to sing this song over and over again? Would I want to listen to this song over and over again? <laughs> yes. So, and I just, it's a very kind of, for me, it's been a very kind of instinctive um, development that I just sort of pay attention to what I really like or don't like. And I've been really lucky that that seems to connect to a lot of people. 
And see, I'm thinking that that's where that psychology degree in your back pocket comes in handy. I hear a lot of what you're talking about with feelings connecting, well, more more to the point, the child having feelings, connecting with feelings. And I'm also somewhat hearing you say that you feel that your music helps the child to connect with his own feelings. Would that be true? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I mean, my own that psychology degree and then degree and then also um, many, many years of my own therapy, I found like, oh, this is something that I wish I had had more of when I was a kid. I guess I'm also thinking that as an adult, when I feel particularly down or particularly jubilant, I like the music that helps me to go there, whatever that is. And it sounds like you do the same thing for the kids. Yeah. I have a song called The Story of My Feelings. And um, mostly the the words are, um, it started, I wrote it because I was having a fight with a friend of mine whom I had known since fourth grade. And we we just had a very old and fraught with a lot of, different feelings kind of a connection and um and I was feeling really really sad about it and I just I pulled out the guitar and I started playing and the first lines are this is the story of when I cry when I'm feeling sad that's when I cry and you know because that's what I was doing (laughs) and and then I thought oh as that kind of grew and I thought about it and I moved a little bit through my own feelings and started to actually think about it as a song that I could share. Um, you know, then I continued on with other feelings in the song, but it, it really came out of my own working through of an experience I was having. And a lot of the songs that I write are that way. And I think that, you know, what, what's interesting about that is that as adults, I think we're experiencing so many of the same things that kids are, or we might, even remember things from when we we're kids that are still resonating with us as sure. grown-ups. And, um, and a lot of that has to do with feelings. And those are things that are very universal. Well, yes, universal is an excellent word. Uh, I believe that music has been called the universal language. And that's true. I mean, you can hear a song even in a different language, and you may not necessarily understand the words. But there are other things that uh, appeal to you, certainly. Yep. And uh, that, oh, wow. Well, I have to tell you, the funny part was when I, I just finished being on the road, I've been on the road almost almost every day, it seems, since about a week before Easter. And I blew into the office today, and the first one I ran into was Joanna, and I said to her, okay, so why do you like Lori Berkner's music better than somebody else's kid music? And she thought for a minute, and she said, because it's kid music, and my kids love it, but I don't hate it. And... (laughs) I thought that was such a grand answer. She said, I I actually like listening to it. And there's a lot of kid music out there that it's like, oh, yeah, you got to endure this because your kid likes listening to it. But you don't necessarily like listening to it. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that you can accomplish that, Lori? And, And or maybe 
maybe here's my first question. What do you think makes your music different than other kid music? Um, well, I think I'm going to actually answer the other part of the question first, which was how to accomplish it. And I feel like we, when we were talking before about, you know, I'm trying to write music where the words are relevant to the kids, but the rest of it is something that I would really want to sing over and over or listen to okay. over and over. I think okay. that that sort of does a lot of that. And also, you know, again, connecting to things that I still think about now that I also remember thinking about as a child. I think that also helps to bridge that gap between listening to, you know, being a parent and having to listen to something that you don't feel any connection to anymore or that's not interesting to you or maybe you don't think is music that you would even want to listen to anymore, yes. you know? So, yes. um, but as far as what makes mine different from other people making kids music, I actually think, I mean, first of all, I think that's changed a lot since I started doing kids music. When I started, um, it's been a long time. I put out my first album in 97. So, you know, more than 15 years. And I was a music specialist before that. So it's been almost 20 years. And yes. um, at that time, there was a lot of sort of, there was a lot of music that to me sounded like it really talked down to kids. Ah, okay. Um, and then also made the assumption that kids could not, were not able to understand complexity in music. And, and I have to say, I think there's a real difference between making music that is um, interesting. How do I put this? I still think it's important to keep a, a, a thread of simplicity in the music. I think that's important in any, in almost any music if you're trying to reach a lot of people because you want to make, that's that comes back to that universality, right? So, yes. um, but simple and kind of, that's, there can be a incredible beauty in simplicity and that that's different from saying like, well, kids can't understand a certain level of music, so everything I write is going to sound like old McDonald. Do you know? Oh. What I'm <laughs> yes, so yes. I I think that that's something that I tried to not do. I didn't want I I did not want to have to sing old McDonald with the kids that I were in my classes every day. I I would sing it sometimes, but I wanted to sing a lot of other kinds of music and things that I really liked. So. So I tried to broaden what I was doing with them. I, I think that these days, there are a lot of really fabulous and talented people making music for kids. And um, it's actually kind of a different world. And part of that has to do with just the internet and being able to access that music. And there being a much big space for um, people who are making music for kids. There's even a whole movement called um, Kindy Rock that is, you know, there are a lot of adults who were rockers and then they had kids yes. and realized, oh, well, <laughs> kids music out there, I'll make <laughs> you know. Yes. And I started a little differently. I started before I had my daughter, um, you know, more from being a teacher and wanting to make my job fun and wanting to connect with them. But I, I think that you know, it's interesting now, there is a lot more to listen to. So I think what I do is still, I, I think what's still a little bit more special about it is that there may be a lot of music out there that people, that kids connect to, but the parents don't. Or yes. a lot of music yes. out there that the parents really love and wish their kids would like that would music. The yes. kids, and they like it, but they don't feel like it's theirs. 
And I feel like when I'm writing music, I want music that parents enjoy, that they actually think, oh, I get this and they get something out of it. And the kids still feel like it's for them. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's a balance that can be difficult to strike. Lori, that's been so interesting to listen to because I hear you wanting the parents to be engaged, but I also hear you wanting the children to be engaged and to not be talked down to or musicked down to, as the case may be. And throughout this discussion, I hear a real strong piece of connection, connection, connection. You're really trying to make that music become a connection for the people who in fact, are are listening to it and maybe more than listening, but really participating in it. We will have so much more to talk about. Uh, I am here today with Lori Berkner talking about her music and music for children. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo, your host for Born to be Breastfed. And today, I have with me my special guest, Lori Berkner 
for those of you who have not yet discovered Lori, you should indeed uh, understand that she is very committed to children's music. She is very committed to, as I heard in the last segment, that whole idea of creating music that kids like, kids uh music that parents like, music that the kids actually connect to. And I heard a real strong commitment to helping kids to get in touch with their feelings and maybe even to uh, have more than an awareness of their own feelings, but also to be able to sort of live those feelings out. So, Lori, we were talking about that a little bit, and I guess one of the questions that I would ask is, first of all, if I were a preschooler, how would your music help me? Why why would I want to, uh, you said, for example, that you came in, you were not part of the preschool uh, piece, you came in for X number of minutes per day. If I'm a little kid, why do I want to look forward to your visits? Mm. Well, the main thing that I tried to do was make it fun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's that seemed like everything would work as long as that was the case because then the kids would want to come down the hallway from their regular classroom and come into my class and wouldn't be well, first of all, some of them when they were younger were almost afraid of coming in at the beginning if they didn't hadn't met me yet. Um, you know, a lot of that's all of those things are new. So yeah, so making it fun. But the other thing that I would do um you know, I, I definitely write music, especially at that time um, where I was connecting kids through music to using their bodies. And um, that it just, it makes so much sense because all they really wanted to do was kind of poke each other or jump around <laughs> or, you know, they're, they're uh-huh. constantly moving. And so if I gave them a way to use their bodies that actually was part of being there in music it was a much more fun place to come to Um, so that that was a big piece of it honestly I teach adults and I think it would be the same thing when I teach uh, of course uh, mine is 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 content uh I but I like to make it fun because nobody wants to go to a boring old thing you know it's kind of like there I always say there are two ways to learn things the fun way and the boring way let's pick the fun things certainly and so tell me a little bit more because I noticed I can't remember now if it was on your website or on YouTube that you seem to really integrate that bodily movement but it felt to me as though I could almost feel myself moving with the the music and so I'm guessing that you use rhythms to help pull the kid in, so to speak. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, so actually, I was saying before that I didn't really study music. I mean, I've not formally, um, but I, the one class that I taught, that I took, I mean, um, that had to do with teaching music to kids was a Dalcro's Eurythmics class. And um, Dalcro's, basically, what I got from that class was that kids understand rhythm and movement I mean music and rhythm by using their bodies and you can actually marry the two of them and when you do that it stays it's imprints that much more and they can understand it better so um, and I, I took from that class that I would actually kind of change the way I'd play the guitar um, in order to encourage them to move their bodies in a different way so um, actually 
it makes me want to pick up my guitar and, sh- and show you what I'm talking about. Can I oh, do that? Oh, please. Yes. Okay. Pick up your guitar and, and absolutely, we would love to hear how this works. That would be fabulous. So I would um, maybe in the middle of a song, if I wanted them to start jumping, you know, they'd be playing a song and then I would just change the rhythm and do this. And if I do that to, you know, a 10-month-old, they will start to bounce up and down. Or if they're already holding your hand and jumping, they'll, they'll like, reach up to do yes. that. It's, it's almost, uh-huh. it's, like, something they can't even stop. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. Um, I would make, you know, play rhythms in three, having them gallop. Galloping and skipping, that sort of stepping, hop, step, hop, step, hop, it really marries really well to um, a, a time signature of 3-4. Yes. Um, I'd want them to move around really fast. I would just kind of play the guitar really fast, and they would start, <laughs> you know, like that. So, I mean, all those kinds of things were really um, they were really helpful because I didn't have to tell the kids what to do. They would just respond in a way that was completely natural to them. And, you know, doing that, I think, made it really fun because they couldn't get it wrong. And right. also, right. it wasn't the same thing as when you're in a classroom and a teacher has to explain things and show you and you have to wait and sit and listen and pay attention. And they don't really have to do any of that. They just have to do what comes naturally. And then it's still fun. Yes, I was thinking, for instance, when you mentioned the 3-4 meter, I was thinking how it's it's almost hard to do it wrong. Right. The the ba- the not the baby. Uh, the the child is going to just naturally follow that and that puts the, really the child in a better spot to be able to how should I say? Kids don't want to be wrong. Adults don't want to be wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong. Right, exactly, exactly. And so that really puts them in a position where they're already succeeding without really thinking about it. And that's got to be a great feeling for a kid. I was also thinking, what about those kids who say, oh, but I don't like to sing? I'm guessing that they don't really have to sing. Am I right? Well, um, Well, first of all, I think sometimes that comes a little bit later. Um, when, you know, I I was working with kids, some of them were pre-verbal. So what's really great, it's true. You don't have to sing. Um, and in fact, what's really great about using one's body to express music is that if you're young enough to not have a whole lot of words, um, but you're, but what everything you're learning is about how to move, then it feels like you already know what to do. What to do. Yes. Um, But I do think... I don't know. I didn't run into a lot of kids who would say I can't sing yet at that point. I feel like that comes a little bit later, but um, they may not feel like or imagine that they enjoy it as much as other things. But really, I mean, singing is just letting your sound out. You know, it can be in any way. There was no, I was never telling a kid, you know, you're not singing it right. Or it's just whatever way that they would involve themselves was was right, you know, because they were participating. I think you make it fun for them. Uh, Lori, I'm also thinking about, for instance, as you probably know, my whole career has really been around uh, 
babies, not preschoolers, the type of children that you've probably had the most contact with. But one of the things that we've learned through studies is that if whatever music that the mother played while she was pregnant, that baby will recognize and respond to that music after the baby is born. And it really doesn't matter what the mother listens to. If she listens to Chopin or Schumann or Beethoven or anybody else, that's fine. But if she listens to uh, Beatles or John Denver or uh, anybody else, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the music is. That is recognizable to the baby. And so as I hear you talking about the preschooler, I'm thinking about how much this somehow affects the baby in a way that we don't necessarily think about, and yet it really does occur. I'm also wondering, what's your take, uh, particularly from a maybe a psychology standpoint, how important do you feel music is for the baby's overall development? For a baby's overall development? Well, well, baby, preschooler, children. Okay. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like it's, it's kind of everything. It's when the, the rhythm of like expressing yourself through music, either in rhythm where you're using your body and kids are just at that age are still discovering all the different ways in which they can use their body, um, being able to voice things, to feel free to use their voices, to and using music as a way of connecting with the other kids around them, um, as a way of expressing themselves, and, and also to feel comfortable being in a setting where you're doing something together with a bunch of other kids and you're all sharing the same experience, um, whether that's jumping all together or clapping together or singing together. And there, there's a teamwork aspect of that, and there's also a very individualized aspect of that where everyone is really important. Um, I mean, I just think, and there are probably a million studies about how it helps as you were saying, like brain development, I know there's the connection to mathematics, obviously to learning words and word sounds. And um, I just think it's, and communicating, like I could just keep going on. Lori, <laughs> <laughs> before we go to break, let me ask you, do you think that your music is somewhat able to give kids a, what I guess I would call, a permissible outlook. If you have a kid who wants to stomp around, for example, then yeah. do you? Am, am I getting this right? The, the, we all have days when we want to stomp around, but it sounds like then you have got something for that child to be able to let off a little steam in a way that seems permissible in the classroom. Would that be true? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the first songs I wrote is called We Are the Dinosaurs. And it was mostly because I asked the kids what they wanted to sing about. And a bunch of the boys said, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. And Too they funny. wanted to like scratch out, each, you know, scratch at each other and roar and yell and stomp. And when you and I created a structure of the song, then they were able to do that in a way that was safe for them and fun. And also, you know, I socially didn't acceptable. Exactly. Yes, yes. Lori, this has been so fun. Don't go away. Audience, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso, and I am here today with singer and guitarist and songwriter Lori Berkner. Before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, how her music has been written and really helps children to be in touch with themselves and to learn to integrate both words and movements. Uh, Lori, I want to talk to you a little bit about your new album, which I know has lullabies. And I noticed there there were a couple of things that caught my eye. First of all, uh, I noticed that there were both traditional lullabies and lullabies that you wrote yourself. What propelled you to write your own lullabies? Um, well, it's a mix. Some of the songs are songs that I wrote um, or just kind of came up with while I was putting my own daughter to sleep over the years. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, some of them are songs that I actually wrote with not necessarily intending them to be lullabies, but they had become favorites, um, and I thought it would be interesting to try them in that kind of a version, in a lullaby version. So some of them are just um, more classic songs of mine. Okay. And then some are ones that I wrote because I was making a lullaby album, so I wrote some new lullabies. <laughs> okay, that would do it. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you this. Most of the time, it seems to me that you tend to write 
from memories of your childhood. So how was this different for you? Did you feel yourself writing as a child or writing mostly as a parent or just venturing out onto a new branch of whatever? Uh, I noticed, for instance, that you were talking earlier about how long you've been in this business. And I don't know about you, but I know that the way that I wrote 20 years ago is not the way that I write today or the way I teach or the way I do anything. So, so tell us a little bit about how this lullaby thing was different. What was your perspective? Um, yeah, that's a great question because I do, I, I feel very conscious of when I write songs for kids that I try very hard to most of the time write from a child's perspective. I uh, think of when I say I in a song, I'm thinking about being that four-year-old who uh-huh. is singing I. Um, uh-huh. And I have a lot of I and me in my songs. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so, so it was different because lullabies are not necessarily meant to be sung by the child because they're supposed to be going to sleep, right? <laughs> so yeah. you, yes. so a lot of parents will be singing them to kids. I did imagine that kids could be singing them to themselves, sort of a self-soothing thing, a way to um, calm down and get ready for bed. Um, but certainly there'd be a lot of parents singing them with them. So I was trying to write songs that could be sung either from kids' perspective or together with a parent. Um, and then there are some that are much more from a parent's perspective. perspective. So it was a real mix for me, which is different. Yes. Lori, can you sing a lullaby for us or maybe part of a lullaby? Sure. Um, let me think. I, I know you caught you a little bit off guard That's there, okay. and and yet I know that this is your newest thing. So I think it would. I think we're all pretty curious about how this is going to come across. Um. Yeah. Let me. I'll. I'll play you a part of the first song on the album, which is just called "A Lullaby," and it's. Okay. Uh, this is definitely. It's from the parents' perspective, but it, I wrote it thinking a lot about what it felt like when I was going to sleep and also what my daughter would tell me, which is, you know, like it's that separation. So when you, when you're singing to your child, you're also kind of giving them the cue that you're going to be leaving the room soon and saying good night to them. And that can be very difficult, right? Yes. Oh, go for it, girl. Yes. (laughs) A lullaby is not goodbye it only means i'll see you in the morning and a lullaby is a way that i can sing you to sleep while you're yawning so lay your head down and rest cause i can And sing you another lullaby. That's a little piece of it. Oh, that is so nice, Lori. And honestly, I could feel myself sort of swaying as you were singing. And I'm thinking that if, I'm thinking if I'm the parent, this might be putting me asleep as well. (laughs) You know, it's very soothing, very lovely. And, uh, uh, that's, as I said, you know, really something kind of different. 
yes. than than what you've done in the past. So, were you? Did you originally do that because you had trouble finding a, a way to put your own daughter to sleep? Really? Um. No, not so much. Not I mean, so much? it was more, it wasn't that it was hard to put, well, actually, it was hard for me to leave her. Ah, now we're and, getting to the real feelings here. <laughs> yeah, maybe, and I'm just thinking about that song in particular, maybe that's also why I felt very aware of the separation, is that it was hard for her and it was hard for me. So, you know, like the the lines of that song are, it's, a lullaby is not goodbye. It's just, you know, I'll see you when you wake up, basically. And um, it's and I am going to see you again, and we're, we're just taking a pause. But I, I found it really hard to separate at night, um, especially when she would say that she wanted me to stay. And I remember that feeling that way a lot as a kid, you know. So um, it felt good to be able to write that down. And that was the song that when I was in the studio recording it, I found myself crying when I was singing. Really? It. Oh. Yeah. I was surprised because I didn't, I, I still, I mean, I had a very strong connection to all the music, but I didn't know that was going to happen with that song in particular. Yeah. Where do you come up with the idea for the words then? Because you, you just said that you somewhat have the child's perspective's perspective. I'm thinking, for instance, that as an author, some days I just really have writer's block. I, you know, sharpen the pencil. I get out a different pen. You know? <laughs> but, but how do you think you really get inspired for finding those words? Is there, is there an answer to that, Lori? Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Although it's different for different things. But I'll sure. say that mostly I'm a poacher which is that um, I listen to kids talking. <laughs> ah, okay. Good, I, good I, go. I love what they say, and I, so that's, that's one way that I get a lot of really great words. I have a, um, or, or even just parents and kids' interactions. Like I have one song called um, Song in My Tummy, and that was literally a kid that I was working with said, Lori, I have a song in my tummy, and it wants to come out. And so <laughs> like, that's such a great song, or hearing a, a dad chases kid down the street saying, I'm going to catch you, you better run, I'm going to catch you, here I come, and that's like one of my most popular songs, and I, I was like, thank you very much, you just wrote my chorus. You just wrote my title, <laughs> yeah, oh, my chorus, oh, that is fabulous. I know sometimes I will uh, title a blog or maybe even a radio show. For instance, the one that I get very frequently is when the mother has a, a baby that doesn't feel very good and she says, was it something I ate? And I hear that so often that, you know, honestly, people probably don't realize that they give us tons of ideas <laughs> just by doing what they do and then we eavesdrop in a sort of respectful but nonetheless uh, productive way. So really, that is, that is just so funny. Uh, tell me this, Lori, before we go to break. Do you have the lullabies available yet? And if so, where can people uh, buy the lullabies? Yeah, the album is called Lori Berkner Lullabies, and it came out um, in April, and they you can get it anywhere online. It's also available at Target um, and I believe Walmart, but the easiest is Amazon, iTunes, um, my own website, LoriBerkner.com, and, and you just Google it. Very good, and people sh- who are listening to this show should be aware 
that here at Born to be Breastfed, we will be making just one, just one of those available for one lucky listener. Please stay tuned for more details on that. Okay, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo here with Lori Berkner. We will be right back after this short break. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuzzo, and I have with me today my special guest, Lori Berkner. Lori and I were just talking about lullabies before we went to break because she has a new CD out with her lullabies on there. Lori, we've talked so much about uh, so much of your really good music for children and the fact that parents like it, children like it. It really helps people to get in touch with themselves and so forth. So I guess my big question really for a wrap-up today is how do you feel or how have parents told you that your music has made a difference for their children? How, How would you characterize that? Um, well, I hear a lot of different kinds of stories. Um, it, it does often come back to them telling me, the kids say that 
your music is their music. Like I'll put on the parents will say, I'm going to put on, let's, let's listen to the Beatles. And my child will say, no, mommy, I want my music. And Ah. my (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Um, I mean, I love to hear that. I feel like that's a lot of what I'm trying to create. Um, I also get a lot of parents of kids who are um, on the, autism spectrum and they boy some of those stories are very powerful um you know kids who didn't speak until they heard my music and then at requested it and that was the first thing that came out of their mouths um and I guess you know in that way it was really very clear that when they had something they really wanted to say they just said it and until then they weren't interested so that those kinds of stories or kids who are nonverbal but can sing my songs from beginning to end, you know, completely word for word. Um, and I get a lot of those stories. Also kids who are in the hospital. Oh my God. I get many, many emails from parents saying, you know, my, my child is undergoing cancer treatments or has a particular illness and has to be hospitalized a lot. It's gone through a lot of surgeries. And the only way we get through it is by listening to your songs or watching your videos. And they use uh, the songs in his or her therapies. And mm-hmm. it, that's what makes them want to go. So I hear a lot of great feedback about people telling me that like the music is sort of a soundtrack for their lives in their kids' first years. That is so heartwarming. That's got to make you feel like it's worthwhile to do what you do. That would that would really warm my heart a lot, I'm sure. Absolutely. Lori, let me ask you this. We all know that you have gone from doing your uh, business in one closet in a one-room, uh, a one-bedroom apartment to where you are now being, uh, I'm sure, world-famous by now. And tell us, how has that impacted your own life for the better or for the worse or what has inspired you or anything that you'd like to tell us about what kind of an impact has your music had for you? Um, wow. It's, well, it's definitely, it's, it's lots of, it's mixed. <laughs> it's okay. Lots of, okay. You know, it's, it's wonderful to know that lots of people are listening to the music. I, I, I really, I can't... Um, I'm grateful for that. I feel really grateful for that. And um, at the same time, you know, actually what happened when I was kind of doing things in our little apartment and then suddenly it started to explode, um, I felt really worried that I was going to not stay married to my husband (laughs) because there was so much happening and I was trying to do it in our home. And, you know, so it it definitely um, sometimes things would happen faster than I was ready for them and um, growth happened very quickly and I had to kind of catch up to it. And then on the other hand, you know, I've also been doing this for a very long time and um, sometimes it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for whatever the big thing is going to be. And in the meantime, I'm just working every day and I'm writing and I'm making connections and I'm just still working really hard. So, you know, there've been these wonderful times when things, have gone really, really well. And I, you know, I'm very happy about that. And in, in the other times I sometimes wish, Oh, I wish I weren't always working when my kid is free, you know, right, I'm right. putting on shows when other people want to go to shows with their children, their families. And, you know, I can't see my own daughter during that time. So it's definitely, it's good and bad. 
I remember one time we had been married maybe two or three years when I started writing a major book with a major publisher here in the U.S. And it was several years later when I said to my husband something like, now life can get back to normal. And I remember he said to me, and tell me, dear, what would that be? (laughs) Because about half of our married life at that point had been before the book, and then there was the after the book for about two and a half to three years, you know? And you really start to wonder uh, about how this, uh, and on the other hand, I will say, I made connections with people that I never would have made connections with, you know, people that literally came out of the woodwork, people I'd gone to nursing school with, etc. Give us just a quick, like, 20-second update. Where can we find you, on the web or in person? Um, well, I have shows coming up uh, this summer in Chicago, Virginia, New York, Wisconsin, Connecticut, um, and all of that's on my website, lauriberkner.com. Um, and also, we have a really active Lori Berkner Band uh, Facebook page, so which is really fun, actually, for parents. There's a lot of stuff on there besides music. So Yeah, there's crafts and all sorts of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Lori, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you, to hear about your success, and to hear about how your music has made an impact for others, and just generally to understand how this is truly kid music, and the fact that the kids themselves are the ones who say they want my music really, I think, talks a lot about how you have really uh, made an impact on them. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As usual, this hour goes way, way too fast, and that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Lori Berkner for being here today, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to invite you to come back next week. Please make sure that you visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com. If you're a mother, if you're a professional looking for education, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promised I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 